Hello and welcome to the Body Track Academy, created by EPs for EPs. We'll cover all things clinical, business and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists, and access more great content. All right, everyone, it is Friday afternoon, and before we knock off for a lovely weekend and a few non alcoholic beverages, we are going to sit down and do a chat today about women's health, particularly women's strength and the physical activity that they are embarking upon at the moment. Uh, we've got some computer upgrades going on in the background as usual, but I've brought in Nicole today to chat about women's strength and women's health. Nicole, g'day. How are we going? Very well. We're also recording this in the week that the All Blacks lost to the I- to Ireland. Is that right? Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, jeez. They, really? they lost to the Ireland and... We lost the cricket and the rugby. Lost the cricket and the, the rugby. Falling apart. So it's a great week for Australia in sport, except we got flogged in the rugby too, so... Yeah, it doesn't happen very often, let you guys no. have it. But it's, you know, don't care about us winning. It's about New Zealand losing. But anyway, that's well, not what we're here win. for. The women winning. Yeah, the women winning. They're doing better. But what a, what a, what a great segue. Yes. I mean, seriously, well done, Nicole. Uh, yes, we're going to talk all the things about women's health, women's strength today. Um, this might be going over a few things that you know, but there are some interesting stats that uh, we've come across about um, women's uh, women's health as well, in particular around physical activity. Nicole, do you want to just set us off with that um, first? Yeah. Um, finding out from the, what the survey was and then, yeah, what the, uh, what the stats showed. Mm-hmm. So I started off looking at the Exercise Right website and they've got a great ebook on women's health and exercise, uh, which touches on some of the points we'll talk about today, plus a whole lot more. So would highly recommend that um, as a great resource anyway, this women's health ebook. Um, they were quoting one in two Australian women aged between 18 and 64 are actually getting enough exercise. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I was like, I was quite impressed with that. Those stats are actually from 2014, 2015. Okay. Um, I then found some more up-to-date information, 2017 to 18 data, which is saying actually only two in five women aged 18 and over were sufficiently active. Mm. And just Mm. one in five women did strength or toning activities on two or more days. Right. So, so I'm guessing the two and five would be general, like 30 minutes a day kind of exercise. Yeah, 150 minutes a week. 150 minutes yeah. a week. That, gotcha. That guideline. Gotcha. And yep. that's kind of like the overarching one that you often see studies reflecting or just mm. general statements. They go, oh, this amount of women are active, but they're only really looking at that cardio component. Yeah. And we know from anecdotal evidence that most women are pretty, they're going to pick an exercise that usually tends to be aerobic in nature. Yeah, I think like let's let's touch on that a bit too. Like, why why would that be? I, I guess that there is probably certain still existing stigmas around women going into a into a gym and yeah. and feeling maybe inferior. Like these are the things that we do know, but is that do you feel still quite an impact on you know them actually doing strength training from I your perspective? So. Yeah. Well, I remember that conversation I told you about not being able to lift the 20 kilo barbell. Yeah. I, mean, I couldn't lift a 20 kilo barbell True. until I mm. had to do it for my fourth year practicum, or mm. my second, second and a half year doing a master's, doing, becoming an EP. Until then, you know, I was well, early 20s. I'd been to gyms before, but I definitely didn't use those free weights. Yeah. I'd go to the grunty, groany men's area of the gym. Mm. 
sporty. Okay. Played sport all my life. Wasn't very strong. Yep. Clearly. Couldn't lift the bar. <laughs> but, like, you know, I was an educated, relatively confident young woman. Sporting background. Yep. Probably fitter than above average and still didn't feel confident enough to go into that area or to use those kind of weights. So, mm. we're getting women and a lot of our clients who are probably, what, over 30, um, might not have never exercised before in their lives. Um, yep, indeed. Imagine how scary that would be. I guess we're in a different... like. From us in like our, uh, our bubble here at, at Body Track, we do see quite a lot of women exercising and work exercising within strength yep. uh, um, programs as well. So I guess that's why I wanted to ask the question. I'm mm. sure I'm sure it is still that stigma around um, lifting. It doesn't even have to be heavy weights, but just lifting weights uh, and the per- the perception around it for mm. them. Um, I think there's a lot of fear, mm, and that kind yeah. of on that stigma is that almost that fear of what if I turn into a bodybuilder? Yep. Um, and we've definitely had that before. Yep. I've, I've, I've had that with clients that I've had. I'm, I know you've had it mm. as well. So yeah. No, interesting. So one in five yes. in the strength. Okay. Yeah. So that's right. like 14% or something. Yeah. Right. Well, let's then tuck into maybe some basics and things that I'm sure all our listeners will know, but it is good to list through Benefits of strength mm-hmm. for women in particular. So we also have a few women's health strength groups here. So specific for um, for our women population, um, and that was sort of started organically, didn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. When I first came here two and a bit years ago, there were two groups, mm-hmm. two women's strength groups. Yep. Uh, which another practitioner had started. Um, I'd say kind of based off the similar organic need yep. that there were women coming in seeing her for one-on-ones often coming off the back of like a gynecological cancer or a breast cancer mm. um, or who had history of uh, pelvic floor um, prolapse or pelvic floor issues and either seeing her one-on-one and wanting something else to complement it or for a more sustainable long-term option we were happy to p- progress into something a bit more independent mm-hmm. but still supervised so I feel like that was the initial need and we had two groups available when I first started. Yep. And we now have two groups every day of the week. Yeah. So it's really grown. Massively. And we, we have a wait list at the door. Yeah. yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's like the same need, you know. So women needing progressive overload and recognizing the need for strength for mm. bone health, pelvic floor strength, and general healthy aging. Yep. So we got and a mixture. The great thing about the groups from, from my perspective when I'm in the clinic and the group's on is... The age range is yeah. so, it's so diverse, mm-hmm. isn't it? And there are people in there that have varying different ranges of, of um, conditions. And it just shows, like, even though it's a group atmosphere, that's, and we do keep our groups lower to accommodate for the need for um, flexibility and adaptation in the in the actual program. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's why, because there are women coming in who, you know, they probably had those issues of going and doing actual strength training and now they have other conditions that may, uh, we have to be aware of to be able to do that safely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the diversity of the groups is quite amazing. Um, that, that's from, from my perspective. Absolutely. We've got, I'd say, early 30s right through to, I think my oldest might be late 70s. Yeah. And rocking yeah. it, like just yeah, really good smashing thing. goals and yeah. getting more and more confident. Mm. and really nice social atmosphere as well. Like the yep. groups are pretty consistent, that the group is sick, so they tend to know each other quite well and they help each other out. Like I'm not yeah. there, C1 teaching someone else, and it's good for them. They're confident in the gym. They now yep. know how to use equipment. Yep. So they can go to a public a public gym if yep. they want to. And they got or, that, yeah, got yep. that confidence to do it. And I think the greatest thing that I see is when there is a, a PB hood or something, yes. and the celebratory, you know, yep. everyone gets behind it and stuff because that's exactly like we know men do that and they do it in a very 
very noticeable and loud way, but yeah. you know, good on them. Like yeah. they do the same. There's no reason they can't. And yep. it's, it's fantastic to see the progress that they made. Okay. Let's go back into, sorry, our basics. I did mention strength uh, and, and um, what we know and the benefits for women. Can you just list off a few for, for us, Nick? Yep. So definitely our bone health is number one. We see in that, that gender category. Um, so whether that's just age related bone changes or post treatment and things like that. So we really want to look at ideally preventing that loss or mm -hmm. trying to slow it down if we're getting some accelerated decline there um, with that increasing muscle mass and strength as well. So with or without a bone health concern, we want to make sure that women age in a good, good fashion. Yep. Um, the more muscle they got, they, they've got, they, the stronger they should be, the more support they've got around their bones and their joints. So if they were to have a fall as well, like essentially got a bit more padding and structure around those bones too. Yep. Um, better lives so they can hang out with their, their kids their grandkids be more active with mm. less effort we know more muscle has so many benefits as well for improved metabolism so helping with body composition especially as we age um general function we see generally a bit of improvement in balance as well with having a bit of greater muscle mass around there yeah um and just overall confidence in day-to-day -day activities to you know not say oh i need someone else to do that for me to keep that independence around the home and keep doing mm. the things they want to do. Yep. Um, and another massive one, which we don't see physically, is, of course, the mental benefits as yeah. well. Yeah, So, you know, women are affected by mental health just as much as men are, um, and exercise is a massive uh, benefit or help to improve yeah. your mental health. And I think that's something that um, that I, uh, you definitely see in those group atmospheres a lot too. One-on-one, -on -one, yes, definitely you can see it, but in the group atmosphere, and we're talking about people who y y they've gone from being very fearful of even stepping into, we, we call our, our space a clinic, but it's an exercise clinic. Mm. That connotation of exercise, the negativity around it can sometimes make them, you know, avoid it. But they've come from that fearful, and this is both men and women I'm talking, they've come from that kind of fear of um, and avoidance of, of exercise into progression into uh, and confidence into going to a group atmosphere like mm. you see that and there's, mm. there's a quite a lot of them that have, have come that pathway as well um and so i think that can only do wonders for mental health in the, in and the, the long social run. interaction like i've yeah. got clients who come mm. to see me their goals aren't to lose weight or get stronger or anything like that their goals are often i had one client recently whose goal was to improve her social interaction there you go so she's yeah. she's using exercise as a medium as a tool to try and improve that because it's all of a sudden it makes it a little bit less awkward than trying to go to a, like a, a community group or something like that. So yep. two birds, one stone. She comes along to the group class, gets to hang out with me, so already a win. <laughs> um, plus a bunch of like-minded, really awesome women. Yeah, well. yeah, fantastic. Um, the, the, you mentioned first thing in terms of benefit was, was bone strength. Mm -hmm. um, particularly important around menopause uh, and, and about our hormonal changes then. So just, just run through, I guess, yep. what the main changes there Again, something you listeners might know well, but good to recap. Mm -hmm. And um, also maybe a bit of um, some success stories we've had about bone yep. mineral density because I, ha I have heard a few women come yeah. in and some be very, very excited to share some news. So, yeah, let's yep. just go back to, to that um, yep. and cap that off. So if we look at bone health, uh, a big driver of building muscle, uh, sorry, building bone and maintaining bone is, is having a good store of estrogen in the body. Um, and as we get older, once we hit menopause, which is basically defined as 12 months of having no menstruation. Mm -hmm. So once we're into menopause, we see, start to see a gradual decline in estrogen, amongst other things as well. Progesterone goes, goes down as well. Um, but estrogen tends to have a bit more of an effect on the bone integrity and structure. Mm -hmm. um, as it goes down, unfortunately, that bone health 
tend to decline too. Yep. Some are more predisposed with other conditions that seem to accelerate that. If you add on to that, like a cancer treatment as well, or a genetic predisposition, some women just tend to decelerate quicker. We don't know why. Um, I might need more involvement for other medication as well. But generally speaking, most women, as we age, estrogen goes down, unfortunately, so does bone yep. density. Yep. So, um, yeah, all that resistance training and pulling on the bone, um, whether it be through pure resistance pulling or impact loading, which we also tie into our classes as well, Yeah. Um, starts to impact that bone well and start to drive either in a really, really good response, we actually might get improvement in bone density. Mm -hmm. uh, in most cases, we just see a slow and decline or a bit of a plateau. So we might halt that decline for a little bit and then, you know, age might speed things back up eventually. Yeah. But if we can just slow that decline, that's our that's our ultimate goal. It's the first goal. Yep. Um, better result would be to halt it and make it pretty much stop where it is. Mm -hmm. Best result possible would be to actually get an improvement in bone density. Yep. Um, and I've had a recent client um, and she was absolutely overjoyed. She came running in with her little graph um, that she got printed out from the bone density clinic. Mm -hmm. I and, remember this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the and clinic. And I was actually with a client, I think. Yeah, you she were. So you were. Excited. Yeah, yeah. She couldn't help but t come tell me that her results had improved from mm. her scan two and a half years prior. And that was the main reason she'd come to Body Track. Um, she's mm -hmm. still very active. And she goes, Oh, but I walk every day. And she's a little slight thing, not, not much to her. Yep. Um, and she has just flourished in the strength program mm. her first year very tentative it took a really long time that's what i was going to, to point out as yeah. well like yes we're talking about bone health here and that was a really good outcome for this particular client but she was very tentative and mm. very unsure about it yeah. and coming in the following week uh, yeah. oh my muscles were sore or yes. i could feel this in my neck and i'm that a lot of education around well we at the moment you're only doing it once a week Correct. so you know yep. we need to get more exposure to the body instead of sort of weekend warrior style Correct. one hit yeah. wonder yeah um and she understood that a bit more. And actually now since her results, since her improvement, she's booked in with a one-on-one -on -one with me to start um, a home program to go alongside her strength one day a oh, week Oh, fantastic. Well. So she really, yeah. she's like, if I can do this with one day a week, imagine what I could do with two times in a week. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is great. Like mm. she, unfortunately, we don't see that with everybody. And for, to get that kind of result with only one day a week mm. is pretty phenomenal. And it, it's not just exercise. She also had um, prolia injections as well. So yep. a hormonal extra booster with that one. Um, mm. but she was very cognizant about making sure, you know, she was, she almost a hundred percent attendance. Yeah, her. she was. Yeah. yeah always yeah, there. Definitely. Yeah. Always see her coming in. Yep. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. And I think, um, we're seeing this a little bit more in, in, in again, in unique cases where there are medications that are helping, um, diet and vitamin D and all those other things too. But, um, uh, and I know we're talking about it through in women's health, but I've I've even seen it within some of my uh, male clients as well. Saying, yeah, tell me about your. I've seen a, a new addition to the. Yes, so uh, it actually happened this week. So I actually had one particular client who. This is a funny story because he he started and he started seeing myself as a private client, um, and he's very medically minded. Uh, so he knew what the benefits were just hated doing it as mm. most people do with yeah. exercise sometimes but he started out and then I remember distinctly four years he's been coming out three years sorry remember distinctly he said oh I'm probably going to give this up in about six weeks <laughs> and I went really? oh, okay no worries <laughs> and me being me thinking this guy knows you know he's medically minded he's, he's got a profession of this he knows what he's doing but really he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he really didn't. He saw the benefit of it. And then we slowly increased um, his exercise 
uh, attendance during the week, doing groups as well. Mm -hmm. So instead of coming once a week and even actually once a fortnight, he was starting to come. He now comes three times a week. Um, does impact loading as well because he had osteopenia, yeah, which was then going back when he was doing the one session a week, yeah, to osteo getting closer to osteoporosis, yeah. But being in that osteopenia, we could still do some fairly good impact loading exercises. He came back this week and said, I had my six monthly bone mineral density scan and um, going back the other way, I'm going up in terms of my bone health and um, wow. going, you know, in a positive direction. Again, yet want to preface that with there was other um, interventions there with, with yeah. medications and with vitamin D and um, diet and all that as well. But again, you can just see there's a pattern of exercise that is, has helped him there, mm. particularly the impact loading that we've done. Yeah. So That's awesome. And yeah. what was, was there something else that was predisposing him to that decline? You don't often see that in men. No, you don't. But it's actually interesting because him being in the medical profession, he actually said that there's a few others uh, that he has diagnosed with, ah. men that have, he's diagnosed with osteoporosis or osteopenia. And um, uh, he... Doesn't, he doesn't really understand why there's an increase in it, but yeah. I'm finding in even some of my other male clients that they are coming and saying, yeah, my bone mineral density is low, and I'm, I'm getting quite, quite perplexed by it because it's something you don't see often. Yeah. You also don't, like, I mean, I, rec I recommend clients to get scans all the time. Mm. So I'll yep, say, definitely. hey, you're fitting X, Y, and Z risk factors. Correct. So based on that, I would ask your GP, or talk to your GP, please, and see if you're eligible yep. for a scan. But the thing, the thing around, and we're probably going to be more of an osteoporosis chat, but that can be another podcast. But mm -hmm. I think there's a very big um, emphasis on that for women, yeah. but not so much for men. Very interesting. Yeah. And, and a lot of my, um, a few of my, not a lot of my, a few of my men clients, mm -hmm. male clients have actually come back and going, oh, Dan, I've got low bone mineral density. And I was like, oh, that's very perplexing. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, just very quickly to cap off that, his thought is that that he... For himself, he's not getting enough vitamin D because he's in an office all day. Really? That's, wow. That was his thought, but I'm sure there's other variables. Let's, but, let's um, bookmark this and we'll save this yeah. for a podcast for another chat. Indeed. I'm very but anyway, that's, um, yeah, th there will be a podcast that we do about osteoporosis specifically and in some really good, really good uh, guidelines about exercise prescription for it as well. Mm. But yeah, that's for another chat. We're back onto women's health. So um, yeah, good recap, I guess, about mm. what uh, strength training does in terms of benefits for... Uh, bone health and all the other things that we have, have mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk a little bit more specific now about, um, I guess, for when is it right to start women into a strength training program? So let's yep. think about some clients that you've had, Nick, where sure. they've been perhaps quite apprehensive or there's confidence issues around it, mm -hmm. um, looking down the biopsychosocial pathway mm. uh how do you kind of navigate that in terms of from assessment through to sessions do you just go straight into it or is there kind of a building building block into there um, yeah, good yeah. Question. i definitely want to we we have a template that we use for basically a pre-screen or a like your entry into the classes which is designed to help other practitioners know what the the benchmark is essentially um, but also, I suppose we can use it as like a safety tool to know when people can, can come in. Once they mm. can achieve X, Y, and Z, then they can come into the group. Mm -hmm. um, so our pre-screening criteria for women's strength is that they can do a squat, ideally a trap bar squat, but if there's anything else that's limiting them, um, that they're at least able to do a squat with good form and a in, in a progressing way, like they're going to progress towards that trap bar eventually. 
um, that they can do a bench press, a barbell bench press. It doesn't have to be with a 20 kilo barbell, but we've got a 10 kilo one if we need. So, and if we need to adapt that, that can be a dumbbell chest press. And then we can do a seated row. So all those three basic push, pull, and a vertical push. Um, and that's just something you, uh, you guys created. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep. we so we test every eight weeks yep. so that the women know how they're tracking, um, but also so we can prescribe with some precision mm-hmm. for their next program in the next eight week block. We kind of know where to where to go from. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have eight week tests and we just do a five RM test for the trap bar squat, seated row, and a barbell bench press. Um, but that's a you know, your fundamental movement patterns. Not everyone can deadlift. Um, we thought about putting that into the pre-screen and maybe one day we might move that. I know it's something that's pretty important for men going into men's strength. Yep. Um, but technically speaking, a lot of men tend to have a bit more of a, had a chance having to play with a deadlift. Not that that technique's any better. I've seen some, <laughs> no, some sometimes not. Sometimes <laughs> not. They think they can just lift it. Bit of work done on that. Yep. Yeah. Um, but we decided not to leave, not to put that in the screen because it would... Um, limit a lot of people getting into the group and we actually we've just finished um basically a 16 week cycle maybe even yeah maybe even more than that working on the deadlift where we're basically starting some women from the point of you know practicing the hip hinge from a kneeling position into a standing mm. using the kettlebell off a, off a box well, that, well that's what i was going to ask next yeah. because like where that's what where do you start with it yeah. because i'm sure there's been people who have um come to you and had no mm-hmm. no resistance training history at Ever. all so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. yeah that's some good examples is there anything else that you can provide there in terms of other starting starting platforms like are we are we starting unloaded uh, are we starting um open kinetic mm-hmm. closed connect like yep. is there a kind of a thing always, that you follow or? yeah i usually go body weight first so mm-hmm. in terms of other things getting before women go into that group ideally they'll be doing one-on-ones with a, a practitioner until that practitioner thinks that they're suitable to go into that group and we better meet those pre-screening criteria but also that they'd be they'd feel confident and competent in the gym environment because uh maximum six in a group so sometimes my intention often my intention has been split between six women um and i'm pretty good at multitasking but they need to have the confidence that i'm not going to be over their shoulder the whole time holding their hand to do it so you as a practitioner want to make sure that you feel that that client is confident to be in the gym setting, that they can change their own weights, that they can lie back with their dumbbells themselves and not be handed everything. Mm. So that kind of competency. But we talk about building like a foundation of strength, right? So we want to get them strong and competent with, with good technique and all those sort of foundational movements like your squat, your press, your pull, some form of lift if you can kind of start to teach some sort of hip hinging movement. Um, have a pretty decent... Uh, understanding of like TA and core activation um, primarily because we need a strong core for a lot of things yep. but also because we incorporate that a lot um, and that they yeah they're comfortable in, in the gym environment and know how to use a fair few pieces of equipment um, if someone's coming to see me I generally do body weight first with yeah, things like great. an incline push up to start teaching that closed chain yep. pushing action um, and only then once they start to progress that we might look at getting using a dumbbell or a barbell after that Seated rows are nice and easy to start off with. Most mm. things are pretty similar there. Mm. Then we might progress into a bench over row, those kind of things. Is there anything in terms of your, this is getting very specific, mm. but anything in terms of your um, uh, your specific progressions that, yep. you, that you look for? Like, okay, they must be able to do a certain number, um, form. Mm. Uh, is there like a checklist that you sort of, maybe not document, but just mm. go through yourself, Nick, about... Okay, I'm seeing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Uh, that's all meeting my criteria to then progress to dumbbells now. Is there anything like that that you follow? Or is it, it might be highly individualized, of mm. course, but 
anything broad in that sense? Yeah, I, I suppose I haven't really thought about it exactly like that, but mm -hmm. we all, I think we all naturally do it. So you start them off with the easier, less complicated movements, you know, so take away free weights, keep yep. things closed chain, make sure form's good. Usually, like I'll usually work on a program with someone for eight to 12 weeks. So usually that's enough time to progress them. You know, if you're doing an inclined push up, you might gradually bring that load down a little bit until it's a bit more challenging. To which case, you know, the weight that they're actually pushing might start correlating with like a low range dumbbell um, or a barbell. So they actually can push a 10 kilo barbell or, you know, two, four kilo dumbbells, something yeah, like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I think we just naturally progress based on when you, you can see that the client's becoming more comfortable with that movement pattern. Yep. And there's nothing limiting them or mm. stopping them from doing it with good technique. Technique always comes first. I don't care how much they're lifting. They don't have to be able to do a trap bar squat before they get in. Yeah. We've got clients coming in who are just still doing body weight squats. Yeah, that's right. Or maybe yep. doing a goblet squat mm. um, because, you know, ankle range of motion or hip issues might be limiting them. So there's no, mm. you know, we just adjust it for them. And yep. practitioners are great at letting us know prior, hey, um, client A can't quite do a squat to this low. We're doing it with a heel lift and using the boxes technique at the moment. And we just use that in their, in their session. Yeah, perfect. And I guess as well, that would come with, um, you know, you probably you can think, use things like RPE and all those mm. objective measures to assess if something's becoming easier to then progress to a certain movement. Um, but I think the other thing that you can in, include there as well is, and it, it again, it's not objectively reported, but it's their confidence mm. in movement as well yeah. coming in and taking, as, a, as clinicians, taking note of all that, um, of how they're presenting into the session, um, how they, yeah, the how they, how they walked into the clinic, mm. how they, are they still looking tentative and apprehensive, yeah. um, Maybe that's not a good day to go to the next exercise. You know, those little things that you can actually pick up. Yeah. And, and this is the same in guys as well. But, um, yeah, something that I think is... You don't even realize um, you're doing it. That's right. You know, yeah. all of a sudden you go, hey, Mary, could you please grab two, three kilo dumbbells? I'll meet you over at the bench. You know, they might go, oh, I don't want to grab yep. them. You normally yeah. grab them from me. If they feel comfortable, they grab them and they might there. go... <laughs> they might sit and wait for you to kind of give that authority to lie back to do their, you know, their dumbbell press. But if they're... We always encourage clients to hold their own weights. We don't pass our clients' weights, especially not over their head. Yeah, correct. Or as a safety thing, but also that's a huge confidence in, in capabilities and a mm. really good screen to know actually can they handle that weight. Mm. Yep. No, it's good stuff. Anything where there's red flags, contraindications, um, particularly in terms of the group women's strength we're talking here, is yep. there anything that you, you flag and you go, mm, that's not ready to progress or I want to pursue this a bit more? Mm -hmm. Um I mean, this list could be quite long, but anything that you think stands out yep. in terms of uh, those red flags? Other than anything that's really causing... So pain's always a massive one. So if pain's a big issue and you're not, you're not managing pain well, like if someone's come to you with chronic pain, mm. you want to get on top of that first. Like we, I know recently I had a chat to a practitioner about a client who probably came into our groups a bit early um, yep. and she presented with the goal of wanting to go into a group. So, of course, we want to you know satisfy our clients, but sometimes we need to have that authority to say... I absolutely hear your goal and I think it's a fantastic goal. Let's work towards it. And this is what it might, might look like once we can get to this point where pain is below this or whatever it might be using as your milestone before you mm. get into a group because I know now that's becoming problematic in a group of six where she's really lacking confidence in the class. She's using the practitioner's attention quite a bit. Yep. Um, pulling up sore after session. So it's not a cheat. Like, other than the fact that she's actually in a group, it's not achieving her bigger picture other goals, which yeah. is a really good tool to go back to and say, hey, let's just come back to one-on-ones before we go back into the group again. Yeah, for sure. But pain is a big one. And I often put myself in my shoes and go, um, well, I want this client in my group. 
is she going mm. to take up more time than that's fair on other clients because mm-hmm. I'm there for all six of the women in the group equally? Um, does she need a little bit more work to build on confidence? Or Technique's massive. So I'm really big stickler on technique um, and that they can do things, those three fundamental movements well, push, pull, and squat. Yep. Um, we can work on yep. the others. and we, we do teach, like you mentioned before, like we will teach new things that are less common. Um, and, you know, eventually on the track, we might progress into a more advanced strength training group with women who can deadlift really well and, th- and progress into high end. But with that deadlift progression I gave before, you know, in that same group, I had a client doing a hip hinge, one doing a kettlebell deadlift, one doing a rack pull, one doing a trap bar deadlift, and another lady doing like an 80 kilo barbell. You were deadlift. just running around with your head off. Head yeah, of, uh, I had every chalk. piece of equipment out <laughs> on the floor, and it was an obstacle course for other clients. Yeah, <laughs> no, but yeah, it's well pretty managed. easy to adjust. Yeah. It is, yeah, indeed. Um, but again, without your skill set of, of connecting with each of the um, practitioners, having that eyes everywhere approach and having that experience, um, it can be a bit daunting and tricky for some. Mm. Um, so obviously, I think you've brought up a really good point there about you You said, um, would I want that client in my group? Would yeah. it take up too much time? That's that sense of authority as well that you spoke about, which I think is a really good point and a good take home for all our listeners there, especially our first years where we can kind of just accommodate for what the client wants. Yeah. We know we always do that and just sort of uh, make sure that they're happy in, in terms of progressing, but that's very, very important of being authoritative and going, hmm, there's some red flags here. Yep. There's some contradictions. I need to put on my professional hat and say, that's great. My, From my discretion, you're not ready yet. Yeah. And having that, having that open, honest conversation yeah. with them. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's being safe. Look at it this way from the you're taking care and managing that client and being safe and effective for them mm. rather than just pleasing them and actually, you know, down the track be causing potential issues for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right. Anything further that you wanted to address in terms of uh, women's health, women's strength particularly? Um, any final take-home points for the listeners, Nick? Well, this I think this podcast complements quite nicely with the one I did actually back in Women's Health Week with Naomi Lawrence, uh, a a dietitian mm-hmm. from Encore Nutrition in Melbourne, um, where we spoke more about the nutritional side to support, especially strength training in women. Um, obviously, you know, one of the big benefits of strength training is strength and ideally increasing or maintaining muscle mass, um, which is much harder said than done. <laughs> yep. Um, I know personally, like I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to work on that at the moment myself. You know, pre-season for, for footy, I get knocked around the field a little bit. I'm not naturally muscular. Um, more of an endurance athlete, I would say. But you've increased your pull-ups by 150%. This is true. <laughs> so good when you go from zero. <laughs> zero to hero. Um, but no, for me, I wanted to learn more about nutrition because it, I mm-hmm. wasn't progressing. I was pushing what felt like, you know, eight to nine out of ten in terms of I was working my effort, but I had nothing to build with. So nutrition's a massive part of complementing strength and the strength side of exercise and even aerobic exercise and fueling properly for exercise. And I think it's really important with women and can be a really touchy subject. I understand there's a lot of uh, challenges around women and, and weight, um, eating disorders and, and disordered eating for both extremes of kind of the continuum there. And it's really important that we, we use exercise as a confidence builder and a, and a healthy way to sustain weight or mm. improve body composition. Um trying to, if we can, avoid weight loss goals and using other focuses like improving strength. Like you might maintain 
similar body comp initially, but if your strength's improving over time, we might see some changes in muscle mass, which over time might start influencing body comp. Yeah. But it's having those yeah. conversations. And I know after that Women's Health Week, um, I got more confidence in telling women and checking in with women. Yeah. And often now we'll make it a theme at the end of a session, especially if it's like a midday one. I say, right, ladies, what's lunch day? And kind of go around the group and mm. get an idea. And be like, oh, I like that combination or those kind of things. Women are talking about food they're normalizing eating yep um and some people hadn't hadn't thought about it oh i hadn't thought about lunch today. i'll probably just oh maybe i'll pop next door to the cafe and actually grab something and grab a yogurt and granola with something you know get some protein and carb at the same time yep so i think That's nutrition great. is really good and important mm. to think just beyond the physical side of things for, for women's health mm -hmm. uh, what yep. other information can we either help find for women mm. or, or give women to support a really strong and sustainable exercise regime perfect very good uh, we'll be chatting again soon, but uh, we're going to finish up there because it's starting to get pretty hot in the old podcast room. It's very warm this Friday, Avo. And the Friday non-alcoholic beverage, of yes. course. Thank <laughs> you all for listening in. By all means, subscribe, like, and give us feedback for any other topics. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.